On today's show, the Ime Udoka era is finally here. We saw it in glorious fashion in the Houston Rockets win against the Indiana Pacers. Alperin Shingun being used as a passing, facilitating hub offensively. Jabari Smith Jr.'s confidence through the roof. Jalen Green as the number one option for this team. Fred Van Vliet leading the charge. Dylan Brooks ejected. Cam Whitmore electric off the bench and so much more. It's all coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. Throw it up to Jalen Green. Shingoon here in the short row. Oh, my, that's the no look. Jabari for three and the win. Yeah! Look at Tari Eason. Here comes Tari. Oh! T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. The Houston Rockets select Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. One thing I have never done is not made the playoffs, and so we want to take that step here as well. Six. Five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member, also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin. The show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on the way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making LOR part of your day every single day. Joining us now is your weekly co-host, none other than the X's and O's man himself, Ali Khan Bijani, who can track down on Twitter at Rockets underscore Insider. And Ali Khan, we are being ushered into this new era of Houston Rockets basketball. The Ime Udoka era is finally here. The Rockets coming away with a 122-103 win against the Indiana Pacers in the first uh, of their handful of preseason games. We have a lot to kind of unpack from this one, a a lot of takeaways. Honestly, first, it's just fantastic to have basketball back. It's so great to be able to watch basketball again, to be in Toyota Center with all the Rockets fans and to see the players and how excited they all were. Um, Clearly, Dylan Brooks was a little excited, um, although he decided to take an impromptu uh, day off work, as Ime Odoka kind of joked about uh, during his postgame presser. Uh, with the, uh, you know, intentional, unintentional nut shot on Daniel Tice uh, serving Dylan Brooks an ejection within the first five minutes of the game. We'll tackle that a little bit more later on. Uh, but a lot to unpack from this one, Ali Khan. And honestly, I think a lot of what we saw through training camp, the emphasis on structure, accountability, attention to detail, I thought we saw a lot of that in this game. Uh, this felt like a completely different Houston Rockets basketball team from the vi- from the from the very beginning of the game. Jalen Green was very intentional about his aggression early on. It seemed like a lot of the plays originally were kind of drawn up to get Jalen going downhill, coming off screens, um, attacking the basket. The first few plays of the game, we saw Alperin Shingun being used very intentionally as a facilitating hub, the shin hub, if you will, that we've been begging and clamoring for for what feels like a couple seasons now. Uh, Fred Van Vliet was very much the floor general out there. Jabari Smith Jr., uh, confidence just oozing in, in the way that he approached his offensive game in this one. A lot to take away from this. Where, where do you want to go first? Who do you want to 
shift gears towards and, and, and talk about? I think we should just start with Ima Yudoka. Um, there was two uh, points in this game that really highlighted to me that this is not your last year, last two year Rockets. Um, the first was early in the first quarter, Jabari gave up an offensive rebound. And when I say gave up, he was defending somebody in the near side corner and was kind of sneaking in for the rebound. They didn't block out that person. They didn't account. Hey, like, let me look back and see if they're going to, if they're going to cut inside. They did cut inside, got a putback. Um, and when he went down the court, Ime was ripping into him. Okay. And I was like, wow, look, look at that. A coach ripping into a young player. Oh my God. How crazy is that? It's not just Alper and Shingun. Oh my God. That's crazy. And then, and the next one was like they're supposed to. And if only he said that during the game um, <laughs> on camera. But anyways, um, I, I, I do. I do also want to highlight there was a possession where Jalen was supposed to cross. And when I use the term cross for Rockets fans is what and the Rockets were packed in the paint a lot. It's whenever the guy from the corner kind of commits to helping down low. The next defender on that side of the court has to participate in kind of X thing, right? And to kind of like rotating over to the corner and and and, and doing all that stuff. So Jalen did not rotate. He did not come crashing down to the corner, left the guy open for a corner three, which was made. Ime gets up from his seat, puts his arms out, kind of shrugs his shoulders, says, What are you doing? What are you doing? And he looks at Jalen as he's running back uh to the other end, to the offensive end. So those were two points for me that I really stood up because those were not just isolated points. He did do that throughout the course of the game. He actually called the timeout in the third and fourth quarter after a missed breakdown defensively. So that was a big thing for me. It's not just about the structure. It's about accountability within that structure. And we did see that starting tonight. Absolutely. Ime's had his fingerprints all over this team and, and really all over this game. We saw a fair bit of kind of experimentation with some of the different lineups. Um, I, I really thought... Just first, I want to highlight defensively. It really did feel like even though there were some breakdowns and Ime was not afraid to uh, highlight that there were some defensive breakdowns here and there when I asked him specifically uh, about how he would, you know, kind of assess Jalen Green's performance in this game. He said, you know, Jalen, you know, did a lot of things really well. He missed some shots, um, some threes and some free throws that we know that he's going to make in crunch time, hit, you know, Ime Odoka's words. And then he also highlighted, he was like, oh, there are also some missed defensive, you know, rotations. You know, he's he is not afraid to call it exactly how he sees it. And, you know, seeing it live in action during the game, him, you know, pointing the, pointing out these mistakes in real time to these players so that they can adjust on the fly, but then also harping on them after the game. Uh, that's just the type of coach that Ime is. But there were points in this game where there was... A lot more communication than I think that we've seen in recent time for the Houston Rockets uh, defensively. Uh, Jalen was communicating at times. Fred was communicating very well. The defense in the first five-ish minutes with Dylan Brooks on the court felt really solid. Um, I, I was really encouraged by what we saw in that brief window when Dylan Brooks was actually on the floor. Uh and then even Albert and Shingun defensively in this game. Uh, he had two blocks by halftime. Felt like he did a really good job in and around the rim. Felt like he did a really good job kind of pressuring at times, playing more at the level of the screen defensively. Um, some of the concepts that we've heard about and heard Ime talk about that they're, you know, kind of deploying through camp, the switching, all of that uh, was, was very much in full effect. And it kind of felt like the Rockets really took these concepts and ran with them, right? Where... 
there wasn't really, you know, they're still going to have to break out of some bad habits here and there. There's still some moments with some poor communication, some some missed rotations. But by and large, I honestly, Alicon, wasn't expecting this Rockets team to look anywhere near as polished or put together as they did in this game. It really kind of felt like this group uh, has been together for a minute. They kind of knew each other's tendencies. And I think the biggest thing that really stood out to me was the ball movement and the off-ball movement, the cutting the backdoor cuts, the screening happening away from the basketball, the simple little you know two and three man actions that we saw. We saw a lot of Jalen Green and Alperin Shingun two man actions. We saw a lot of Fred Van Vliet with a ball screener actions. We saw a lot of three man actions on the perimeter where our LP would have the ball at the top of the key, and there'd be a couple you know screens taking place away from him, getting guys going downhill where he could just loft the ball over the top to them and get them you know, going full head of steam downhill towards the basket with no defender between them and the hoop. Uh, A lot of really simple concepts that I thought were executed really, really well in this game. uh, And it led to some easy opportunities offensively. Yeah, and look, ultimately, Ime Yudoka talked about this, the practice before um, the game, that this was not a game where they're tailoring a scheme towards Indiana. They're not game planning towards Indiana. They're trying to figure out based off of what they've implemented in training camp, they, they want to assess where the players are currently. I think you made a few really good points and just to provide some additional context, Jalen Green getting all those kind of shot attempts or get, getting all those plays for him, I think that's, that, that's by design. So you you see, hey, how is Jalen diagnosing a coverage defensively, right, uh, from the defense? How How is Jalen going downhill? He had a couple possessions where he got – going early in transition, which is good because those are efficient plays for him. It's not something where he's kind of dribbling into three three, three defenders. It's something where he's quick in attacking a mismatch or attacking a not-set defense. Um, you saw the Rockets taking advantage of mismatches. You saw the Rockets kind of running different offensive actions at different points of the game. It's to get all these things on film, but then Ima Yudoka and his staff can take a look at it and say, hey, this is what it looks like against a different team. Let's see what we can make adjustments to moving forward and before they play New Orleans on Thursday. Coming up, we've got your Locked On Rockets player of the game, as well as so much more. Cam Whitmore was absolutely electric off the bench. What can we kind of, you know, try to understand about Ime Odoka, his substitution patterns, what the rotation might look like this upcoming season, uh, the significant stretches of this game that stood out to us as to where the Rockets were able to kind of pull ahead and start to kind of come away with this one. We're going to get to all of that and so much more in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace Case. The Jace Case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure that you have the medication in hand. It's simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Get $20 off these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using code LOCKEDON at checkout or at jacemedical.com. That's jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. What was, let us know in the YouTube comments, what was the best and subsequently the worst thing about 
this Houston Rockets 122-103 win against the Indiana Pacers. Now, again, it's preseason. You take some of this with a bit of a grain of salt. You also take it with a slightly bigger grain of salt because there was no Tyrese Halliburton, no Miles Turner. Um, some of the significant uh, heavy hitters for the Pacers did not get any run in this game. But I still think the Rockets coming away with a, you know, almost nearly 20-point, 19-point blowout victory. That's what should have happened in this game because the Rockets are at full strength, the Pacers are resting some guys, and the Rockets took care of business in this one. So, Alicon, let's get to our Locked on Rockets player of the game here whose honors will be going to Jabari Smith Jr., who won the polls on both Twitter and on YouTube. However, it comes with the caveat that lots of Rockets fans are upset at my exclusion of Cam Whitmore from the poll. And I will say in my defense, I will retroactively anoint Cam Whitmore potentially locked on Rockets player of the game. We'll have to find out something to do down the line. I don't know when we tabulate these at the end of the season. All I'll say is by the time that I crafted the poll and by the time the game was essentially over and kind of the camp guys and whatever started to uh, take over there in the fourth quarter, uh, I thought the contributions from the other four named players in the poll, Fred, Jalen, Jabari, and Shingun, kind of exceeded Cam's to that point. However, Cam had an absolutely electric game. So I wanted to get include that caveat. Jabari Smith Jr., though, you're locked on Rockets player of the game from this one. He had 14 points and was leading the team in scoring at halftime. Uh, did not score again, though, in the second half. So 14 points on four of eight shooting. Only one three-pointer drained it, though. 5 of 5 at the free throw line. He had 7 rebounds, a block, and only 1 turnover. A plus 10 in his 23 minutes played. And for me, Ali Khan, seeing Jabari Smith Jr. kind of continue to build on what we saw from him at Summer League, namely the confidence in how he's approaching this game now offensively. Um, we're seeing him get two spots on the floor that he's comfortable with. We're seeing him put the ball on the floor and drive and get to the free throw line. Uh pointing to the five free throw attempts there, the five makes as well. And I think the thing that was the most important to me that really stood out is, and this kind of goes to Ime's understanding of how to get the best out of his players and put them in spots to be successful. We saw Jabari Smith Jr. posting up on the low block on opposite ends of the court at different times. And we also saw, credit to the very uh, smart X's and O's guy uh, sitting across from me right now, Alperin Shingun, as the entry passer in those situations to get Jabari a clean entry pass and to get Jabari the ball in the exact spot that he wants it to where he can, without even having to take a dribble, press his back up against the defender and turn and fade in his favorite spot on the floor. You know... You know, and it was vice versa too. I have to give credit to, to Jabari for also giving some Shangun entry passes when Shangun was not just trying to post up, but he had position deep in the paint. So kind of vice versa, those two have a really nice chemistry going on. I have three plays I want to highlight about Jabari tonight that really showed me different things and that how he's going to be used. The first is it was, you know, I think early on in the first quarter, Fred Van Fleet coming on the right side. Jabari comes from the middle of the floor, sets a sets a screen, flips, then uh, kind of rim runs going from right right to left, gets a bounce pass, beautiful bounce pass for Fred Van Fleet, of course. So you're seeing him being used as kind of that a rolling big. I don't think he's going to necessarily be super effective in that, or so, and that's not going to be something where he gets a lot of his points from kind of rim running straight to the rim, but setting a screen. And doing that, it's going to open a lot more because then a defender has to think about it. It's there. But, hey, Jabari may not necessarily just pop out. He may not just kind of 
settle on a short roll at the high post to get, get a favorable post up. He can actually roll towards the rim and finish. That was first. Second thing that he did that really stood out to me, and it was kind of – there were two plays in example of this. First was Amen Thompson setting a screen for him, and then Jabari kind of loading up from – I felt like – I think it was the Toyota Toyota's logo, um, like two or three feet behind the three-point line. So you got a little, nice little inverted screen from the men, rises up from three, you know, just kind of dribbles into his into a rhythm shot, knocks it down. Three point at the top in, of the second quarter. It was the first play of the second quarter. And yeah. it was it was crazy because it's like right out of a dead ball in between quarters. Yeah. And Jabari immediately, zero hesitation. He's like, oh, you're going to leave me here? Awesome. I'm going to drain this three-pointer. Exactly. And then the next thing was, I think it was in the third quarter where Fred gets in the ball. Then he, he was going to kind of go space out on the wing, but it's, you know what? Let me, let me come set the screen. Set the screen. McConnell switches onto Jabari. So what does Jabari do? He's kind of sizes him up, does one little cross dribble, gets low. And remember, we talked about this, where if you get low, your upper body should be parallel to the floor, right? He got horizontal, got low, gets right past McConnell. And the next thing you know, he's already at the rim with those high quicks, uh, those kind of long steps finishes with his left hand. So for me, you know, he played extremely well um, overall. He did have some moments and uh, that that point I mentioned earlier about kind of giving up the offensive rebound. Those are things that are habits that will be built on and fixed over time. But defensively, he, he, he finished possessions with the rebound. He contested without fouling. He moved his hips very well. You could see the impact that yoga was having on him. Um, he just looks great. And most importantly, Jackson, as you talked about at the top of the show, the confidence is oozing. You're seeing him do things that we knew he could do. He's he's physically able to do them now, but you can see the confidence and the physical tools translating and working together. And he was very successful today. For me, I think one of the most exciting stretches of this game, Ali Khan, was actually kind of uh, the second quarter stretch from the top of the second quarter all the way until Jock Landale actually subbed in for Alper and Shingoon with about a little under five minutes left to go. Uh, in that stretch of time, the Rockets managed to go on a 21-9 to run uh, against the Pacers. So the reminder here, they entered that second quarter and they were actually trailing 31-29 to after, after the first 12 minutes of action. And then they proceeded to go on this run. The unit at the top of that, uh, second quarter was kind of the it was the the Jabari at the five lineup that we knew that we would see in very brief stretches and again we saw it for exactly a two minute stretch at the top of the second quarter uh, it was Amin Thompson Cam Whitmore Jay Shante Tari Eason Jabari Smith Jr. was your five on the floor and that unit I thought did a really fantastic job of being able to switch effectively on defense on offense it felt like they were accomplishing a lot like again you had the Jabari Smith Jr. three you had Amin Thompson kind of being really aggressive with the basketball Amin struggled in this game offensively to to complete shots he wind up he wound up going just I believe it was one of nine I want to double check that math on that uh yeah one of nine from the floor unfortunately uh missed a couple three-pointers but he was five of six at the free throw line and for me and I think this applies to a lot of the guys up and down this roster. It was more about the process than it was the end result for a min, right? Even though he missed, he missed a lot of bunnies. He missed a lot of shots right at the cup. But I really liked how he went about getting those shots. He looked very much in control. At no point did it look like he was rushing and just like barreling down the lane with no idea of what he was going to do. He is very almost methodical in the way that he kind of drives 
and decides to size up a defender, use his body, and get that quick first step in there, elevate, or even at times decelerate and then elevate. Um, I think he's just got to work on his touch in and around the rim just a little bit. That's that's clearly going to be an area that he's got to focus on. Um, but the process looked good. And his involvement both on the defensive side of the ball, getting rebounds, um, you know, setting up his teammates. He walked away with three assists. Uh, overall, I thought it was a really encouraging game from Amin Thompson. And I really liked that lineup. And then the shift of that lineup was a little bit later on, two minutes later, Shingun comes back in for Tari Eason, and we see Alper and Shingun kind of go back to being uh, very much a focal point of this team. The passing was on display, uh, being kind of that connective tissue piece offensively. And then you kind of uh, contrast that to, compare and contrast that to the way the offense looked for the final five minutes of the second quarter when Jock Landale checked back in. And unfortunately, things kind of, like, Alpi was kind of the straw that was stirring the drink at points in this game. And when he was off the court, it kind of looked like things didn't come to a screeching halt, but things kind of got a little clunky when Alpi wasn't out there to be that connective piece offensively. Yeah, and, and I have to give credit going back to your first point about that Jabari at the five lineup. When the Rockets switched against the Pacers, they were very good at it. You can tell that is a strong suit for them defensively right now is kind of switching everything. Now, I want to give a shout-out to a few players. We know the Rockets are a team that wants to create deflections. They've talked about that in the offseason. They want to be a defense that creates havoc by by being aggressive in the paint and kind of creating creating deflections. We saw that today. I think if you go back and watch today's game, you'll see that a lot of their defensive coverages were geared towards having an extra player, sometimes to dig or you know commit to kind of helping in the paint. And I think that's going to be a very important moving forward. It's a very important sign for what their kind of base coverage is going to be. Not just a, not just a simple drop, not just a simple out, pick a level to screen, but what are the help defender responsibilities? And a lot of that had to do with kind of seeking in three, uh, three deflections for Fred Van Fleet, always among the league leaders, two for Dylan Brooks in just four minutes of playing time. Tari had one, Amen had one, and Jay Sean Tate had two. So I think that's very interesting, especially considering those guys are players we're going to see a lot in those switch everything lineups. And they did a great job. And one quick shout out to Jay Sean Tate. I was I was and just about to do it. If you weren't gonna do it, I was gonna do it. Hey, you know, I have to I have to tell you, man, he, he's been impressing in training camp. You've heard it, I've heard it, we've seen it from the footage videos that you've shared. He had a few possessions that really stood out to me where he was posting up and kind of initiating the offense. And this is when Jabari was at the five. Jabari was on the off, uh, on the weak side, setting some off-ball screens, moving around, trying to get other people open, not just himself. I think that was really interesting and something that is going to really benefit this team that, hey, no matter who has the ball, no matter who's isolated, it's always to create not a good shot, but a great shot. And it's about not just that isolated player, but what other movement is going around on the weak side. I find it so funny. You, using that terminology, that's exact, that is literally verbatim what Ime Udoka said in pregame, uh, talking about what he wanted to see from this team, you know, in this game. He said, you know, passing up good shots for great shots, right? That's kind of his his mantra, what he's really trying to preach to these guys uh, as far as the unselfish nature of what the identity that he would like this team to take on offensively. And it's kind of a, a small thing here. It, it's, it stood out a lot with Jay Sean Tate, but you, you even saw there were moments where, uh, Fred would cut or Jalen would cut or Amin would cut or Jabari would cut. The, it felt like this team was finally taught 
how to cut and cut with a purpose um, and exactly. cut with, with, with intention, right? Where they understand, okay, hey, no, you're not just seeing guys standing around the three-point line as soon as a guy picks up the dribble. How many times last season did you see a pl- player X pick up his dribble and it takes even five seconds for everybody to realize, oh, maybe one of us should move towards him to open up something, right? And when you have so many creative, capable passers on this team, Fred, Shingun, Amin, Jay Sean, all these guys, Jalen, right? All these guys can pass. You just have to give them a window to make the pass. And I thought we saw that a lot tonight. There were still some layups missed. Amin had a good one where he was kind of posting up a little bit and he picked up his dribble and was looking for an outlet. And Fred cut from the three-point line. And Amin was able to dump the pass off to him and Fred went up and he wound up, it was either it was either a block or, or he just missed the shot right there at the rim. Fred trying to finish in and around the rim is not the greatest offense, unfortunately, for a six-foot-tall point guard. But... The intention behind it was good, right? And the execution was solid. So it's moments like that. And again, for Jay Sean Tate especially, he's a guy that it's so funny because you're seeing what a team can achieve with a quote-unquote non-shooter if you actually let them cut without the basketball. What a novel concept, Alicon. So it was great to see <laughs> Jay Sean Tate uh, you know, putting in some work for this Houston Rockets team off the bench. He's definitely going to be a big part of what this team wants to achieve this season. Coming up, final thoughts on this game, other areas that stood out. we got to talk a little bit about Tari Eason, his impact off the Rockets bench. And, of course, Slam Whitmore, who did not walk away with your player of the game honors, but he definitely deserves um, some love and admiration for his stellar evening as well. We're going to get to all of that and so much more here in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into the action this NFL season with FanDuel America's number one sportsbook because right now new customers get $200, that's 200 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place just a $5 bet. Win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use and there's a wide range of betting options including spreads, player props, over-unders and so much more. Right now you can take a look at the outright betting favorites for Super Bowl 58. The San Francisco 49ers currently the favorites at plus 450. The Chiefs right behind them at plus 500. You got the Eagles at plus 650 and rounding out the top five, you have the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins both at plus 1,000 apiece. So visit FanDuel.com slash on to kick off and continue this NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, before we get into kind of the impact from uh, Tari Eason and Cam Whitmore off the Houston Rockets bench, let's talk about the Houston Rockets backcourt really quick because Fred Van Vliet, Jalen Green, that backcourt duo, um, you know, we we we've heard and we saw you know some of their chemistry start to be start to kind of develop there through Rockets training camp, and I definitely think Ali Khan. There were so many moments this game where you saw Fred and you saw what it meant to have a legitimate kind of point guard, a legitimate floor general out there on the court, and I think we got a glimpse at how Ime plans to kind of run his guard rotations at least. Uh, with a, in, in the sense of he's going to stagger, and we talked about this in our prediction episode, he is likely going to be staggering two out of the three at all times of Fred, Jalen, and Amin, and that's exactly the rotation pattern that we saw. Now, it, Dylan Brooks getting ejected within five minutes was probably not a part of Ime's plans in this game, so then Tari Easton was technically the first substitution off the bench, but if you ignore that for a second and pretend like that didn't happen, uh, the first 
non-ejection required sub off the bench was actually Amen Thompson. And that substitution pattern also followed again in the second half when Tari Eason started in place of Dylan Brooks. The very first sub off the Rockets bench was Amen Thompson. So it looks like Ime is being very intentional in how he's going to be substituting those guys and trying to get minutes where... Fred is playing off the ball, kind of in that two-guard role, allowing Jalen, allowing a men time to run the offense with him there as both a floor spacer, but also a playmaking safety net in case things do break down when either of them is running the offense. I, I, 100% and a men was doing a great job of touching the paint. That's his strength right now. We've talked about it before. His best skill is when he has the basketball, especially in transition, touching the paint and then quickly looking to pass it back out. Once he's more efficient around the rim, and I know they're working with him on that, that's going to open up so much more of his game. But right now, that's that's a really big thing. Just real quick on Jalen and Fred. Um, you mentioned at the top of the show the those three-man actions, those different things going on. Um, I want to just highlight some plays I saw or some types of actions I saw, and I'm assuming we'll probably see these a lot moving forward, and we can discuss kind of on future Locked On Rockets and full room episodes. But one was we talked about this last week when we saw your footage, wide action. Um, that's when you have basically a player kind of getting a screen and coming towards the basketball. A lot of different variations can come from that. We saw that a ton today. A lot of those things you talked about, Alpern, Shangun, kind of running point, were, were kind of coming from those wide actions, coming from delay, which is very common kind of five-out um, action that exists in the NBA and college. We saw, we saw some 21 series, which we haven't seen much since the Mike D'Antoni days. Um, so there are a lot of five-out actions where if you talk about where J- J- uh, Alperin Shangun at the top of the key, he has the ability to kind of go from left to right. We saw some split cuts with Alperin where Alperin had the ball and you had Fred and like Dylan, for example, in the first quarter kind of run into each other. One was set, setting a screen, the other kind of shifting the other way. It's essentially an action that really confuses the defense because you don't know which direction the players are going to go. It's supposed to create some sort of an advantage or miscommunication. And we saw that with Fred kind of hitting an open three. So just a couple, couple small things that I was pleasantly surprised to see. I didn't expect to see a lot of uh, uh, split cuts or different things like that, but I'm eager to see kind of what that means moving forward, especially with those inverted pick and rolls we talked about with Fred and Amen setting screens. I want to see more Jalen setting screens, especially for Alper and Shingu. Overall, I was really happy with kind of the shot profile from Jalen Green in this game. Didn't really feel like he forced uh, many shots. Uh, he got, uh, you know, a, a steady steady set of shots at the rim, uh, pulled up for, uh, you know, a handful of three-pointers. Didn't hit any, unfortunately, in this game, as we kind of already pointed out, went one of five at the free throw line. So some shooting struggles for Jalen in this one. Uh, Want to see the efficiency be a little bit better. But again, the process uh, I enjoyed there. With Fred, I think there were some mo- there were some some times that he had some pull up twos that I think the Rockets' offense could probably do without. Um, but if those are rhythm shots for Fred, if he you know needs those every so often to just but you know early pull up twos early in the shot clock, you know you probably want to live without those kinds of shots. Um, I do think also for Alper and Shingun, it's it's worth noting uh, he only attempted one three pointer this game, drained it. Uh, Ime Odoka specifically mentioned post game that he wants Alpi to be more aggressive when it comes to taking the open three when it is available. This has been a recurring theme. It's something that Ime brought up during training camp. Uh, he brought it up again post-game after this one, and then Alpi even commented on it himself in his post-game interview, saying, yeah, they're, they're, they're telling me to take the, sh- the threes. I need to take them when I have them. Uh, so they really are uh, trying to 
kind of impress upon Alpi the, the necessity for him to be a threat from the perimeter to continue to open things up, right? Because when, you play, when you're playing five out, you can't have defenders sagging off of guys or treating them as non-shooters because that, that's how a defense is going to be sagging back, pa- packing the paint, clogging passing lanes. And part of the reason that we saw some, so many of the actions work against this Pacers team is because they were actually pressed up on Alpi for, you know, lots of points of this game. And that opened up some of those backdoor actions, some of the similar actions that we saw Denver Nuggets superstar Nikola Jokic used in the finals against the Miami Heat because Bam Adebayo had to come out and check him at the three-point line or he was draining at a ridiculous like 40% clip from three. And Alpi doesn't need to have a burner from three-point land, but he needs to be at least a bit more aggressive in taking those shots when the defense does give them to him. Um, and he he wasn't the only one kind of was was that were that was playing into their old habits, right? Like there were other players, Jabari, Jalen, some of these young guys. We saw strides clearly, but they were still guilty of some of their old bad habits that we saw last season. And and it's not a bad habit in this case that Alpi is working on. It, all these young players are working on it. It's going to take some time, but we will see it. You know, as we move forward in preseason, especially going into the regular season. Absolutely. Now we got we got to give some love first off to Tari Eason here, who is a just continues to be a one man wrecking crew in everything that he does. Um, off the Rockets bench, he had eleven points, eight rebounds, uh, two assists, two steals, and a block in his twenty one minutes played. Wound up starting the second half. Because apparently he's made of rubber, Alicon. He, like, twisted the hell out of his ankle late in the second half. Gingerly limped off the court, went to the bench for all of about 10 seconds, and then walked straight back to the locker room. Guess he got some treatment. I don't know if he got, like, an injection or what. Was back starting in the second half. Like, I was chatting in a Rockets group chat, and somebody was like, yeah, he's going to be out for a minute. Yo, nobody's talking about this. I have to say it. I have to say this. Okay. He is a robot. And you know why he's a robot? because of the Kawhi Leonard comparisons. And you know why the Kawhi Leonard comparisons are real? What happened to Tari Eason's hair? He has cornrows now. He is literally Kawhi Leonard 2.0. You can put that in print right there. That's happening, all right? You can take that, you know, you can, you can, Take that for what it's worth. No, you okay. heard it here. But first. no, he looks really good, man. He went back to the locker room and got a software patch. That's why he was good to go for the, the start of the <laughs> second half. No, he, he looked good. He actually, Jackson, just to mention, he had a possession in the first half where he ran a pick and roll. He kind of took a possession away from, I don't know who the other lead guard was in that, uh, on the court with him, but he took a pick and roll action and tried to create some. I thought it was really interesting. Um, I don't know how much we're going to see of that. I don't know if we're going to see that a lot. Um, but, you know, they really do. They really want him to grow in that role. They want him to be better with the basketball and off the ball and doing all those other things. We know he's good at defensively. He did that, but eager to see what this means for him offensively moving forward. Absolutely. And then the man who is the, uh, the wood and he played and he played at the five and Tari played at the five for a little bit. Just want to mention that too. He had a few minutes at the five earlier. Now the would be locked on Rockets player of the game. Uh, if if uh, everybody who was upset with my poll choices had their way, uh, Cam Whitmore, who has really, I mean, he's gotten to a point where he has impressed the coaches. Everybody is so, uh, from what I'm hearing, his work ethic, his demeanor, and his maturity is what really stands out for a 19-year-old. Um, I was chatting with one of the Rockets assistant coaches before the game who said that, that's really what stands out to this group is that he has just put his head down. He does the work and he has accepted and taken every 
every piece of advice, every piece of criticism, um, everything that they've given him so far and internalized it and has done absolutely everything that they've asked of him in this very short stint so far. Um, and he's accepted kind of this new this newer role, right? They're kind of playing him as more of a wing. You're not really seeing him with the ball, you know, running a bunch of action the way that he was uh, in summer league or just kind of like, all right, it's the, it's the Cam Whitmore show. He's playing within the flow of the offense, took a lot of really great shots. We saw him catch fire in the fourth quarter much when this game was kind of over, um, but he also had some beautiful cuts, some beautiful off-ball action. Uh, he had the one where he came around a screen by Alper and Shingun on the perimeter and dove towards the rim, and Alpi lobbed the ball over the top, and Cam just immediately elevated with an extremely powerful dunk at the rim. Uh, gotta stick with the Slam Whitmore nickname. It's incredible, and honestly, he... I. I I see the just immense amount of talent that he has, and I continue to scratch my head as to why this kid fell all the way to 20. Um, but I'm thankful that he did because he looks fantastic. I mean, the, in the uh, NBA GM survey, he was considered the best steal of the draft. Just want to point that out there. And we had talked about on this show when, when the Rockets drafted him, he was in the 94th percentile when it came to cutting in college. And we're seeing that he just has the – he knows – how to kind of navigate in the seams uh, of, of a defense and kind of find those crevices and openings. And we know Shangun is such a great passer, especially from the top of the key where he can survey everything. That little kind of drop in the bucket pass uh, was great to see. Three or four from three, six of 10 from the field, a game leading plus 21 in his, in his, in his, uh, in his playing time. He played, he only played about 17 minutes, but, Oh man! Oh, was he so impressive in those seventeen minutes? Almost, and just almost the fact a point that you, per minute, fifteen points, almost a point yeah. per minute. Oh, hey, and it, he's not afraid of any shot. Let me tell you that. He there was a second little second quarter run where he was hitting things, but I was like, man, this guy does not see a, see a shot he don't like. You know what I mean? So he he looks good. I I think the big key for him, as you mentioned, the assistant coaches, it's a great scoop by you talking about kind of what they think from him. It's going to be how well does he play within his role. He's going to be a wing. How well does he play complementary to those lead guards, complementary to Shane Goon? And to me, so far today, he showed he can do that. He showed that, hey, when he's just playing and using his athleticism as a weapon in transition, as a way to separate himself from his defender in the half court, as a way to stay engaged defensively and maybe be, be a guy who can be a helpful defender on the help side. You know, those are things that I like seeing, and I'm eager to see they translate moving forward against an athletic team like the Pelicans, against the Heat later on in the preseason and moving forward into the regular season. But I think to me right now, he's a guy who looks like he could be earning himself some playing time in the regular season. All right, a couple more points here. Rockets rapid fire, our newest addition to the show this year. Uh, Ali Khan, very quickly, uh, Dylan Brooks, uh, flagrant two, yes or no? Did you agree with the call? Quick thoughts. I I don't think it, I don't think it was a flagrant two. I just personally, when I saw the first initial replay, I didn't think it was on purpose. I think he was trying to navigate on the screen. But clearly, man, we've seen it's not like an inconsistent thing. If you hit somebody below the belt, they're going to call a flagrant two, especially the last few few years, right? So um, it is what it is. Yeah, Dylan was uh, you know very just kind of upfront about it. He didn't. He said post game that it wasn't intentional. Um, and he also highlighted that he thinks that he might be a bit of a target for the referees at the NBA level. He said post game, uh, 
what's the name? What's my name? I'm Dylan the villain, right? So I guess so, right? Talking about that he feels like maybe he gets Dylan the villain. Oh, man. at times by the referees. So you be the judge. Let us know in the comments, was Dylan guilty? Was it you know intentional? Was it not? Uh, let us know what you think down there in the comments. Last one here, very quickly, Jock Landale. Um, little concerned with how Jock looked on the floor in this one, Ali Khan. Uh, you know, last year he looked a bit more explosive, a bit more mobile, Um in his role, I, I think it might still be the ankle injury, might not be 100%. Jock strikes me as the type of player that would be cleared to play through quote-unquote discomfort maybe a little bit because um, playing through pain is something that NBA players do. There's a difference between being hurt and playing through pain. And in, as part of an 82-game season, you're going to play through pain at various points throughout the season. You're going to be sore. You're going to have bruises. You're not going to be 100% at times, but the medical staff may still clear you to play. Jock seems like the kind of guy who might be trying to play through some potential pain or discomfort in that ankle because he just didn't looked like he had a lot of lift. Um, some of his contests around the rim were a little concerning. Didn't look super mobile at times, a little late on rotations at the rim. Uh, so, yeah. I'm eager to see how he does in the next game. I think this could just be an isolated incident, honestly. Um, I'm ho- I'm hoping. I-, I think high of Jock, I think he's somebody who can really help this team. Um, there were possessions where, yeah, he-, he did not look as mobile, but there were also possessions where he just wasn't in the right spot. And frankly, I think it just has to do with the fact that he's never played in an organized setting against another team with these specific players. And so I think, um, not not an excuse, but I think let's give him another game. Let's see what's going on until we see whether or not it's actually an ankle issue or it could be something else. But I still have high hopes for John. Absolutely. On that note, Ali Khan, let everyone know where they can track you down at. Follow me on Twitter at Rockets underscore Insider. Make sure you're staying tuned with us here at Lockdown Rockets. That's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.